You're listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 25th of July 2022. Later, a big week in economics, the US Federal Reserve meets to talk interest rates and we got the official inflation numbers. But let's stay with that theme on inflation because food inflation is here and there are warnings to be prepared to pay for more at supermarkets. The team at Morningstar says its little shopping basket saw a 6% rise in food prices at Coles and a 5% rise in Woolworths over the June quarter. And it followed a 4% rise at both in the March quarter. And the team is saying, be prepared for prices to rise even further. For more, I spoke earlier with Morningstar Director Johannes Fall. So, Johannes, you're seeing accelerating food price inflation for the September quarter at supermarkets now. Can you explain to what extent and do you have an idea for which kinds of products? Yeah, hi, hi Ricardo. Yeah, we have seen some food price inflation kick in as of July for the month of July. And as a caveat, this is a very short time period and, and we shouldn't read too much for the whole quarter into it. But we've seen broad-based inflation and what we cover is a small imaginary shopping basket uh, that any, any of us could, could shop, a small sample of what Woolworths and Coles so, and we've seen inflation across the board, um, across many, many different uh, categories that we follow. So thinking about dairy products, we've seen uh, the milk price inflation. I think that's been reported a lot, but also in, in meat and seafood, in drinks and so on. So there's quite a lot of inflation um, coming through at the moment, and it's running at over 10% on our numbers. So how much of a problem is, is food price inflation for the consumer and what does it mean for the supermarket operator? Well, it, it depends on which consumer we're talking about. So there's not the one single consumer, but I would generalize and say, of course, higher prices means there's, there's less money to go around. And we're not seeing inflation just in food. We're seeing inflation across many, many um, areas of daily life. Think about petrol or rent. So the, the consumer, we believe the consumer is going to have to make a decision. What do I spend on? And we believe that they're going to continue spending for, on food and they're going to spend less on discretionary items like TVs or entertainment. So for the supermarket operators, what it means that we see demand for food to remain relatively stable and it'll be a, a, a net positive for supermarkets, this high inflation that we're seeing. And can you just go into a bit more detail about what exactly this little shopping basket is, which you guys use to measure uh, food price inflation at the likes of Coles and, and, and Woolworths? To give you an idea, so as I said, it's a small subset. It's a small sample of, of, of an of a imaginary shopping basket that, that we can all do and that we follow on a weekly basis. And it goes across 11 categories uh, with multiple items per each category. And this is what we follow, uh, and it's national brands. There's no um, private labels in there or own brands for Coles or Woolies. So they're absolutely uh, like for like. And, and it gives us a great insight on what inflation numbers are doing in, in real terms. But it also tells us who's cheaper. Is Woolworths cheaper or Coles is cheaper um, for that particular basket? Johannes Fall there from Morningstar. Well, the Australian share market was steady today, the 206,789, as investors await those official CPI numbers coming out on Wednesday. And, of course, US interest rates. For more, I spoke earlier with Alex Bakoulis from Harper Bernays. Oh, Ricardo, an uneventful day on the market today. It's broadly flat. 
We had a pretty soft lead from the US overnight with the NASDAQ down just under 2%. Uh, but iron ore was up quite strongly, and so that's helping BHP and Rio and Fortescue today. So net-net the market about flat today. A few major events this week. You've got the US Federal Reserve meeting to talk interest rates. Locally, we've got consumer price index, so inflation. How's all of that likely to play into the market this week? Yeah, look, Ricardo, it's interesting. The, the response to some of this data has changed recently, and I think the big focus lately has been on, on quite weak economic data starting to come through. In the US in particular, you've seen economic data now surprising on the, on the negative side uh, since May. And you saw that again on Friday with weak PMI numbers coming out, particularly in the services sectors. So it was the first contraction in the PMI services for two years. Um, with regards to the, the, the Fed uh, this week, there's 75, uh, sorry, 0.75% priced in um, that the Fed will hike rates by this week and the market's already pricing a further 75 basis points uh, coming in September as well. I think that's largely locked in and I don't expect a big market reaction to that given that it's already priced. Um, Locally with CPI, consensus is for 1.7% quarter on quarter uh, and that's going to mean year on year at 6%. So while 6% is a big number, that 1.7% is actually down on the March quarter. Um, so some of this data is starting to, you know, starting to soften a little bit. And what you saw in the US when their CPI print came out is that even though CPI was a bit higher than expected, the market didn't really react to it because the focus has changed now to, as I say, the focus is now very much on there's weak economic data starting to come through. And the expectation is that this inflation, albeit high right now, is going to soften. Is there a sense, though, that in- investors are now feeling a little bit more comfortable with rate rises? I mean, some people are even talking about cuts in 2024. Yeah, it's definitely the case, Ricardo. There's a lot less uncertainty around inflation and interest rates now, or at least that's the that's the perception. So if you look at inflation expectations of the market, um, five-year forward inflation expectations back in March and April were sort of between 32 to 3.6%. Because of the weak economic data that you've seen coming through since then, the five-year forward inflation now is priced to only be 2.5%. So the concerns around inflation going forward have softened a lot because of the weak economic data that started to come through. So there's definitely more comfort around where these interest rates are going now in a sense that we know roughly where they're going to peak out. Um, Some corporate news. Flight Centre says it's trimmed its loss expectations, saying the scale of its recovery has even exceeded its own expectations. Is there a potential we'll see more of this type of commentary as we approach reporting season, or is it all too optimistic? Oh, look, I think it's probably a little bit optimistic. I mean, yes, you're seeing pockets of this commentary. You saw JB Hi-Fi come out as well, saying that um, they were still seeing heightened customer demand and, and strong sales growth. Amex in the US came out on Friday night with a strong result. Stock was up 2% in a weak market, and spending there was, was strong. So I think what you are seeing at the moment is the consumer is still spending. But as I said before, that the focus now is is on the outlook and this slowdown that we're fronting into. And you're seeing it, you know, you've seen it, you're seeing it in New Zealand, you're seeing it in the housing sector um, in the US. And so, you know, I think it is a bit op- too optimistic to think that this is going to drive, um, you know, a leg up in the market here because the, the focus is, is on the outlook. 
So in this, in this environment, where do you see the opportunities? Yeah, so Ricardo, for us, we're really focused on some of the oversold growth names, you know, high quality companies that where valuation has come back a long way and, and we think the outlook for the medium term for those businesses is good and, and they're now too cheap. You know, put it in that bucket a name like Zero, for example, the accounting software business or, or James Hardy. Finally, the Australian Council of Superannuation Investors said today that the number of ASX 200 companies that have made net zero commitments has doubled in the past year, but investors say that, that companies are still not disclosing enough detail about the action that they're, they're achieving to meet these targets. So just how important is, is that green push and, and does that create opportunities? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's incredibly important, um, Ricardo, and we're going to see this continue to evolve over the next few years. Arguably, we're still in quite an early stage on this. And as you say, a lot of companies are committing to it, but we don't quite know how they're going to get there and they're not really giving the full details about that. So I think there are there will be a lot of opportunities that come out as a result of this, that there'll be, you know, there's, there's opportunity for those who are helping to deliver these solutions to corporates. On the flip side, there's going to be a cost for some corporates in how they get there. So, you know, as a great example, I saw the other day Coca-Cola advertising that their plastic Coke bottles are now 100% recycled. I mean, where's that material coming from? Are they having to import it? Um, you know, Pact Group um, through a JV um, have locked up a lot of the, the recycled um, material in Australia, and that's going to come at a cost to corporates who want that material. So th- there's opportunity and costs that are going to present themselves over the next couple of years, and I think it's very, very important to make sure that you're understanding, you know, companies that you're investing in, what side of the, that ledger they're on. Alex Bakula there from Harper Bernays. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.